Once again, it's helpful to remember where we are in the church year. So after Good Shepherd Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter, we begin to focus on the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's a shift in the Easter season where we anticipate Pentecost, and we have that prayer, the whole church, come Holy Spirit. So of course, all of our readings pertain to the coming of the Holy Spirit, but I want to focus today mostly on the gospel and move through Jesus' words piecemeal. It's amazing, St. John's Gospel, this is great material to meditate on, especially chapters 15, 16, and 17. John goes through and defines a term with the next verse, and then on that verse he defines the next term. So he moves through. There's so much we can pray with and so much that we can understand about God's love, his Trinitarian love, if we meditate on these passages. So let's begin. First, Jesus says, to remain in God's love, we must keep his commandments. And then the next verse, what is his commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. And then the next question would be, well, how do we love one another as God has loved us? And then he defines that. What does it mean to love one another? No man has greater love than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. To maintain our, to remain in God's love, we have to keep this commandment to love one another. And that sort of love is love that makes us lay down our life for our friends. All love comes from God, but for us to remain in that love, we must do this action of laying down our life for our friends. Now here I'm going to get a little theological and then we'll get super practical. So don't lose the theological point in the midst of this. We're going to talk about love in the Trinity and then move on to how we can be the best friends. The gospel teaches us the meaning of friendship and the best way to respond to one another in love. So first, how does God love? The Father pours his entire self into the Son, holding back nothing. The Son receives everything from the Father, and then in love, pours his entire self back to the Father. This complete pouring out we call the Holy Spirit. Love in the Trinity holds nothing back. It reserves nothing for itself. This is why we see the words of fullness or complete in everything so often. Jesus tells his disciples, I am telling you these things that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Now, in general, in the New Testament, but specifically in John's gospel, joy is synonymous with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit, but even having the Holy Spirit himself in his fullness, that is what it means to have Christian joy. It's the abiding of the Holy Spirit. So joy is the key in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In addition, Jesus tells his disciples, I have told you everything that I have heard from the Father. Now, speaking in terms of the Trinity, what is everything that the Son hears from the Father? It's the Holy Spirit himself. It's the pouring out of the Father into the Son. Everything the Son has heard from the Father, everything the Word, who is Jesus Christ, the Son, Everything the Word has heard from the Father is the love of the Holy Spirit himself. And Jesus says, I give you, I have given you everything I've heard from my Father, which means he's given the apostles the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit 
Trinitarian love itself. Now, the first letter of St. John tells us this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. So notice the starting point. We don't begin to love until we receive the love of God himself. God is love, and we can't begin to love unless we receive him first. But the question of our gospel is not how we receive this love. It's how we remain in this love. To remain in God's love, we have to act like a Trinitarian person. We have to love another, holding nothing back. We have to love fully, giving our entire selves back to the other. Only by giving everything can we continue to abide in God's love and continue to receive the gift of God's love in our heart. What does divine look like? Divine love look like when a divine person takes on human nature. The mystery of human love is taken up into divine love. Perfect divine love in human nature is complete pouring out in love, and it is the crucifixion. This is the perfect object to gaze upon to see how Trinitarian love acts when it's poured into a human nature. When divine love encounters humanity, when the Son takes on human nature to himself, the perfect act of love played out in that humanity is to lay down one's life for one's friends. Christ loved on the cross the way that he has loved from all eternity, which is to completely pour himself out in love for another, to the Father and for our sake, his friends. Now, one of the best examples of this love being practiced, other than the crucifixion itself, is the story of St. Maximilian Kolbe and his martyrdom. There was an escaped prisoner from Auschwitz, a German concentration camp. Now, the Nazis had resolved to starve ten prisoners to deter anyone else from trying to escape. One of those ten who was chosen cried out, My wife, my children. And immediately, St. Maximilian Kolbe volunteered to take his place. When the commandant heard that St. Maximilian Kolbe was a Catholic priest, he immediately consented, having satisfaction in the death of a Catholic priest. No greater love has man than this, to lay down his life for his friends. By the very act of St. Maximilian Kolbe's martyrdom, He demonstrated that this man he died for was a friend, whether or not he knew him well. He played out perfectly the divine love we're all called to love with, the love of Christ himself on the cross. But the question for us, how do we lay down our lives for another? We're not in these circumstances where we're literally asked to die and lay down our life for another human being, at least not yet. So how do we live this friendship out practically? How do we love one another as God loves us? Now, there's three lessons of friendship that I want to take from today's gospel, three applications. The first lesson in friendship is I'm often struck at the wonder and astonishment that people have when they love another person, the fact that that person loves them back. Now, if something is of God, if a friendship is of God, then it's completely obvious if we're willing to lay down our life for another person, 
that love can only come from the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit doesn't operate with unrequited love. It's not like one person loves another as a gift of the Holy Spirit, and that same gift is not given to the other person. We shouldn't be astonished when another person that we love and that friendship is of God happens to love us back. It's the same Holy Spirit, the same love poured into our hearts that makes us mutually love one another. The Holy Spirit is the bond between the Father and the Son, two divine persons. So in friendship, when that love is of God, of course, the Holy Spirit, the bond between the Father and the Son, is poured into our hearts, the bond between us and the friend that we love. Now, the second aspect of friendship is it is a gift, which means it's something to be received, and it's sometimes only for a time. This means we should approach friendship with gratitude and not hold on or manipulate the relationship. That friendship is excellent. It's great for the time in which it is given, but it's not always given for a longer period of time than God deems it. Now, unfortunately, with social media, whether it's text messages, phone calls, or whatever social media you use, email, etc., we have the, um, the illusion that we should maintain every single friendship that we've ever come into contact with. No, we're called first and foremost to be present to those who are around us, those who God gave us to be present to. It means that some friendships pass away, and that's all right. If our posture towards friendship is one of gift and gratitude, we don't clutch or hold on to a friendship that is dying because geography separates us or for some other reason. We're grateful for the time and the love and the memories that we shared with that person, but we don't try to hold it on beyond its natural course. Having this detachment allows us to entrust to God that if we come into this contact with this friendship again, that those embers burn once more, that it's an act of God. We patiently wait for God to give that gift again. And if it's in his divine plan, then it will happen. We don't have anything to worry about. God provides. So we trust in him with all of our friendships. We approach friendship with gratitude and detachment knowing that beautiful friendships will return if God predestines it when he predestines it. Now finally, if you want to be the best friend, if you want to love in a way that makes friendship with you irresistible, follow this rule of gift and detachment. And what does that look like? Let's say you're at a meal together with one of your best friends, and you're both enjoying the time incredibly, and you don't want that time to end. A great way to approach that moment is not so much manipulation or trying to hold on, but rather to give an invitation. Say something like, well, I was thinking of grabbing coffee after this. Would you like to join me? No compulsion. They have complete freedom. Another great approach is in the midst of a conversation that you're enjoying greatly to give the other person the greatest out you possibly can to say, well, this has been wonderful and I know I've been with you for a while, I'm sure you have something else to go to. Giving them that out is a huge gift of freedom. Only within the context of freedom can we actually love. 
and the beautiful things about approaching friendship and time spent together with the dear friend that we love in this way is when we open ourselves to be rejected on purpose, when we let the other self, the other person have the freedom necessary, when they choose to take us up on that invitation to coffee, when they choose to say, no, actually, I don't have anything after this. Let's continue talking. You know it's completely out of love. You have not held on to or controlled that other person. You've laid down your life and put their needs and priorities ahead of yours. That's a practical way to live out this friendship. It's a huge gift. It's very hard to find a friend who is willing to live in this way. But when we do, when we live friendship, giving the other person freedom and an opportunity to love us back, it makes friendship with us irresistible. That's how we become the best friends. It's purely out of love. No greater love has man than this, to lay down his life for his friends.